It is uh, my great pleasure to introduce to you the Reverend Canon George Cavour. Uh, George and I met for the first time in 2003. Uh, I was in second grade uh, when that happened, and, uh, and uh, it was great to meet him, and it's wonderful to have him here now. Uh, he has a very... Uh, he has an incredible resume. What else are you going to say about him? Uh, most uh, recently, he was uh, principal of Trinity College in Bristol, England, a theological college, the largest in the Anglican Communion, and uh, now currently serves as the rector of St. John's Church in New Haven, Connecticut, a fellow of Berkeley College there at Yale, and teaches in the business school. Uh, and if that weren't enough, he is also the personal chaplain to Her Majesty the Queen of England, or rather the Queen of the United Kingdom of Great Britain and Northern in Ireland. And so, George, it's wonderful uh, to have you uh, here with us to preach. Uh, Canon Cavour will be with us for the next two days, and then Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, uh, John Zoll from Grace Church Cathedral in Charleston, South Carolina, will be our preacher. Canon Cavour will preach after we stand and sing hymn number 371. Shall we pray? Wa 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 mi mi mo Wa 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 lagbara Wa 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 Come O Holy Spirit come Come, Almighty Spirit, come. Come, come, come. Father God, we thank you for your Son, our Lord Jesus. And it's our prayer that during this Lenten season, that your Holy Spirit will move amongst us, preparing our hearts and our minds, that we might engage with your Word quickened by your spirit and glorify you Father in the way we live as your son taught us to speak to us we pray in the name of God Father Son and Holy Spirit Amen do be seated Good afternoon, friends. It's great to be here in the city of Birmingham. This is the first time I have been to Birmingham. I lived in Birmingham, England for 14 years, where I was the president of the Church Mission Society's college, Crowther Hall, named after the first black African bishop in the Anglican Communion, Bishop Ajay Crowther. I was a professor at the University of Birmingham, and after that I moved to Bristol, England, where I was the president of Trinity College, uh, which grew from being the smallest college of the Church of England to the largest in the whole Anglican Communion. I moved to be a professor at Yale uh, two years ago and to be the rector of St. John's Episcopal Church in the Diocese of Connecticut. I have heard a great deal about your church from my friend Bishop Mike Hill when I was in Bristol, and uh, it's been a delight to renew acquaintance and friendship with your Dean Andrew. 
Uh, I am greatly honored that you've invited me to come and share God's word with you. Now, I wear all these colorful dresses, a bit like Santa Claus, you know? But I don't really care a toss about these titles or these various costumes that I wear. What I'm excited about is Jesus Christ. I was raised in a secular humanist home. My father was a fighter ace and Air Force fighter pilot in the Royal Air Force. Uh, and then went on to become a general, and uh, I, uh, he commanded Air Force bases, and uh, I was a military kid. And uh, I am excited to tell you that I'm a convert. I met the Lord Jesus in my bedroom at the age of 15, and I am 59 now. I've been following him for close to 44 years. I am privileged to be a part of the broken body of Christ, the church. The church is not a perfect organization. It has many weaknesses. If you're looking for the perfect organization, don't join it. Please don't join it, because the moment you join it, it becomes imperfect. So we're all a trophy of grace a trophy of grace we're a work in progress during this lenten season i want us to think about jesus and to appreciate the awesome grace and the possibilities of entering into a relationship with him and the privileges and the responsibilities that come with it i'd like us to look at the Gospel of St. John, chapter 15. I love John's gospel. Uh, John is a lover of Jesus. Excuse me, I think uh, John believes that Jesus loved him, uh, possibly to the extent that he may have loved him more than the, he loved the others. I'm not sure whether Jesus actually did, but the important truth is that John believed that Jesus loved him. And this is a treasure that each one of us can carry with us. Do you believe that Jesus loves you? When you know that you are loved by someone, it alters and affects your behavior. Isn't it true, those of you who fell in love? Do you remember what it was like to fall in love? Nothing was too big or too small. You'd do anything for the one you loved. And you basked in the knowledge that you are loved. Why is it that we fail to appreciate and live in the light of the knowledge that God loves us? God loves us so much that he was prepared to send his son to die on the cross for us. Isn't that amazing? Guys, wake up. You know, God loves you. How can you look like miserable puddings when I tell you that? You know, I sometimes tell people in the church, did somebody train you to look constipated? Come on. You know, I will enter his courts with thanksgiving in my heart. I will enter his courts with praise. Seriously. You know, if 
somebody who was not a member of the church walked in and saw our rather serious, gloomy looks, they said, they don't look very excited. I don't know what it is about this Jesus guy. None of them look particularly excited. They all look like they're enduring it. Therefore, this religion must be a religion of endurance and suffering. Whereas if they saw that we were really in celebratory mode, they said, wow! When was the last time you heard the word wow in church? That's why I sang that Yoruba song from Nigeria. Wow, wow, wow. The closest I can get to saying wow, wow, wow. So here's something from the beloved disciple. John 15, my primary focus is, my focus will be from verse 12, but I just help you by introducing it from verse 5. I am the vine and you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he's thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burnt. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and you so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments and you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things have I spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lays down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you to do. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends, for all that I have heard from my father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. These things have I commanded you so that you will love one another. Wow. Now the, the church, how many of you believe that Jesus is your friend or that you're a friend of Jesus? And there's a big difference between saying Jesus is my friend and being able to say, I'm a friend of Jesus. If I said, how many of you know Her Majesty the Queen, Queen Elizabeth II, uh, a lot of people would be able to say, yes, I, I can recognize her, I can identify her. But if I flipped the question and said, but how many of you does, does the Queen know? It's very different, isn't it? So in the same way, there are lots of people who say they know Jesus, but when I flip the question and say, but does Jesus know you as his disciples, then there's a time for serious reflection. And that's the whole point of Lent. Lent is a season of preparation. It's an opportunity and a space for us to think and to pray and to try and facilitate the growth in our knowledge of God but much more in terms of our intimacy with God. 
Is it possible to be intimate with God? Friends, I've been in the academic world for far too long. I've been CEO of organizations, and you get conditioned to work in a particular way. There's a clear line of control and command. But when friends come and visit me, I can let my hair down. I am a bit of a workaholic. I go to work every morning at 7.15. It's a shock to the system for all my colleagues and my sextons, because the rector is there half an hour before everybody else. Now, the reason is because I have a very strong work ethic. I have had to be uh, the principal of colleges, CEOs of companies, and uh, I've had to be very punctual, and I have a very clear work ethic. This is something that we don't often see in the church. And, uh, and so the, my background in industry uh, often affects the way I relate to people. But Jesus is a constant challenge for me. You know, I've grown up in the church getting used to singing that song, What a Friend We Have in Jesus. You're familiar with that, right? So we grew up as little children, baby Jesus, meek and mild, and he's, he's my buddy. But sorry, he's not. You know, prior to this particular text, what did Jesus call his disciples? Servants. No longer do I call you servants. That was the classic way a teacher treated his students. They were servants. They did menial work. I wasn't going to, uh, I'm not prepared to share with you the secrets that I've invested and gained over many years. Why the flipping heck would I give it to you for nothing? Prove it, work, show me your commitment. But suddenly today, he makes a revelatory statement. I no longer call you servants. I call you my friends. Wow! Can you believe that? That the creator of the universe is prepared to be my friend? What kind of opportunities and possibilities does that open up? I have a friend in truly high places. If I want a name drop, I have a name that is worth dropping. He's got the most amazing titles. King of kings, lord of lords. A lot of people make a big deal about my being the chaplain to her majesty. I said, for heaven's sake, give me a break. She's an old lady. She's in charge of a small little country. <laughs> How come none of you say that Canon George Cavour is the servant of the Lord Most High? Why is it that our values and, and attitudes are skewed by completely the wrong set of values? When you become a friend of Jesus, suddenly all these things pale into insignificance and you begin to realize it is possible to live in relationships. I had to discover that theology was not a cerebral exercise. Theology is not a text-based engagement. 
Theology is the knowledge of God that is gleaned out of a living relationship with God. And this relationship with God alters our behavior, shapes our values, gives us a vision for life and a faith to live by. Amen? Will you engage in a transaction with me? If you believe in what I say, can you say amen? If you get inspired, say hallelujah. And if you really feel inspired today and are on the verge of levitation, say praise the Lord. You don't like what I say? Just shut up and be quiet. Are we engaging now? Good. How many minutes do I have? Four minutes? Look at your clock. Just tell me. I, I, I don't wear a watch. You know, we in the East say, you have the watch, we have the tie. So tell me, what does it say on the watch? No, tell me, what does it say on the watch? Have I passed? Have I crossed the time? Two minutes more? Let's do two minutes. 120 seconds. Wow! So, how do you cultivate a friendship? Think about this. How do you cultivate a friendship? A, you must want it. Correct? You want to be someone's friends. Secondly, you've got to invest time. No friendship or relationship can ever develop without a significant investment of time. There's no such thing as I've got five minutes of quality time. Time like wine matures with age. The friends of your youth are special because you've spent a lot of time with them. Secondly, friends don't hold secrets from one another. Friends hold each other's confidences. Whenever my children uh, meet my friends, uh, they know I led a very colorful life before I became a convert to Jesus. And they want to know from my friends what their dad was like before he became a student of Jesus. And I let my friends tell them what some of the gory details of what, all the unpleasant things that their dad did. You know, I have nothing to hide. I'm a sinner saved by grace. And so the investment of time, the investment of real communication, real communication, which involves listening. Has anyone thought about this? Why did God give us two ears and only one mouth? And how come nobody actually takes it seriously? Listening much more than we talk. Prayer is about the art of attentive listening. Prayer is about the art of attentive listening. Lent is a season to listen. Lent is a season to pour out your heart to God. And John offers us an insight that it is possible to go to get to know God personally, intimately, cultivate that relationship. So that when you see the Lord on the cross, you know there is no greater love than this, than that a man is prepared to die for his friends. May God guide us and lead us. And let's hold this friendship with responsibility. In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. 120 seconds.